shapeshifters hope that you enjoyed this rare and infamous moment that combines a first-rate disaster with genuine historical significance. But now it's time to take a deep breath and get those cameras out as we prepare to temporally reset you to one of the most fantastic catastrophes in history. Are you ready? everyone, and welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This is Christopher, and I am here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Tom. Tom, how are you? It's been a rough weekend, that's to be sure, but I'm happy to be here and feeling much better. Good. I'm glad that you have recovered from your brief illness. I, I keep a flashing to, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Is it... Sh- sh- it's not Sean Aston. Uh, Gomez from uh, from John Aston. John Aston. I keep flashing on John Aston uh, and his time on Night Court when he goes, but I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you are. Thank you. Uh, I have had a not a bad couple of weeks. I ended up having a little bit of fun last weekend where where you were unfortunately under the weather, I got a chance to go to the Indiana Comic Convention. Cool. This is the uh, second time I've been to this one, but it's been a long time since I've been to this one. Last time I was to this one, Jenna Coleman was like the big thing because she was in the middle of her stint on Doctor Who. Oh, okay. So it it has been a while because she was a guest there at the convention with the last time I was there. So I figured it was, I was due to go back and, and check this one out. So I was able to get a pass for it. And I went and they had a pretty good guest list, uh, but they had so many guests that I really couldn't do much with just the one day that I was there. Right. I really kind of needed to be there all weekend to catch all the Q&As that I really wanted to get to. Because I was just doing this in a day trip. It, it didn't open, doors didn't open until 10 a.m., and I needed to be home that evening, so I couldn't stay until the wee hours or anything. So I actually ended up missing. I was really hoping to get in and sit in on a, uh, it was the uh, Sons of Anarchy panel. Oh, okay. Just because it had Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah. No, it'd be fun to watch him. Yeah, it'd be really neat to, to hear him and see him and get some questions from him. But I was not able to stay for it. It was too late. But um, the more that I get there, that I did, I was able to bump into a couple of friends of mine, uh, Scott and Tracy, who host the Disney Indiana podcast, nice. were there. They were there helping a friend of theirs at their booth. So it was nice uh, talking with them for a few minutes. I was able to hang out with them for a little bit, get some lunch. I usually only see them once a year if I make it the Monster Bash. Yeah. And if they get managed to make it out there as well. And actually, by the time everyone hears this, I should have it put together and in the stream. I'm going to have a couple clips from both of the panels that I was able to, to sit on uh, with just a, a few of the questions that were asked and their answers. So I'm only mentioning it here because this is like the main show. And in case you guys maybe skipped over it or you didn't see it, um, go back. It should be should be there, I'm hoping. And you hear the actual uh questions and the answers and i don't so i'm not going into a whole lot of detail about a lot a lot of people says that it's going to be in that show yeah it was it was a lot of fun and i wish i could have spent more time with more q a's because the convention itself i'm not going to say it was like a bad convention yeah but you know i'm walking around the vendor floor which was really big they had a really large vendor floor yeah when we go to the conventions we've done it when we've gone to the comic expo there's like that one booth or maybe there's if we're lucky there's two or three booths so it's kind of like oh we got to stop here right there wasn't that at this yeah i i really felt like even though everyone was kind of selling different things it felt like just a lot of the same if you understand no well and having been a convention goer to multiple different kinds I have been noticing the longer these things go, the more homogenous they start to feel. Like everybody's yeah. got a little bit of all the same stuff. They they're all trying to so trying to 
especially when you're looking for vendors, trying to find that that uh, that rare item or that that special thing, it's getting harder and harder to do. Like the thing that you and I seem to enjoy coming across in Comic Expo are uh, the individual artists that come up with their own material to sell, not just selling whatever's the latest and greatest toy line and or right. or or and I know these are all comic book related and I've gotten away from reading but even the stuff that's out there it's just they're all selling the stuff that they couldn't sell in the store <laughs> yeah yeah th- well this is obviously when they bring the stuff to the different conventions they are focusing their product to that convention whatever the theme is or mm-hmm. whatever so but I understand what you mean. And, and I think that's where I was saying that it feels like, oh, look, there's a really great looking artist rendition of the Enterprise D. Right. And then you go down a couple booths and wow, look, there's a really great artist rendition of the Enterprise D. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, yeah. It's, it, then it just becomes uh, which booth can, if you're interested in actually purchasing such thing, which booth can I get the better deal at? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which Which of these two styles do I like the most? Or, right. You know, because if I can only afford one, there is this. There was a couple that. Yeah. If money were no object, I I probably would have grabbed this uh, one or two. There was a one, and I mentioned Enterprise D for a reason because there was one who was doing the uh, the artwork like on uh, on metal. Oh. Okay. So it had that really great, nice Texture. look. The nice, real smooth and shiny, but it, the way he did it, it had such, you look like you're looking into a window. Oh, wow. And it looked really cool. And it's like, yeah, that's something that if I had money that I didn't need elsewhere, it would be yet another print that I haven't found room on the wall for. <laughs> the cosplay was pretty strong for the, at this con. Saw a few of the photos you posted. Yeah, well, there were some really good ones. Uh, there was a really good Predator, which um, it seems like the that's Predator actually kind of amazing. becoming... Yeah, it looked really good, but even that seems like, well, every con I go to, unless it's the same person, <laughs> there's a lot of people doing some really good Predator costumes. Yeah, no, I saw the one, and then um, I saw... You, you at least came across some group stuff, like uh, uh, the... The group that was in Spaceballs. Yeah, that was fun. That, I thought that was that was a nice touch. Uh, there's always those kind of uh, oddball cosplayers. There was a uh, a Mister Rogers and the little and the trolley. His wife was like dressed as the trolley. <laughs> That's pretty cute. That was that was very cute. A Colonel Sanders carrying oh, around wow. a bucket, carrying around a bucket of KFC. <laughs> Well, it's good to have a snack while you also impersonate the man. <laughs> it looked really good, and someone else mentioned something. He's like, nope, sorry, it's fake. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, there was some fun stuff. There was like Lego Flash and Lego Superman. They looked pretty good. Very cool. There was a, a nice uh, Beetlejuice, uh, really nice Scarecrow and Two-Face, I thought, oh, were, cool. were a couple of costumes that were really good. I don't know if I caught those. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, I think I, I I posted them. You can find them on our social media accounts. Just to follow the link in the show notes, and you'll you'll go to the YouTube or Twitter or Spoutable, and I'll have the photos there. But yeah, all in all, you know, I I didn't feel like it was a wasted afternoon. That's good. I, but I, I, obviously, uh, based off of uh, your conversation here, uh, maybe a little below uh, what we've uh, come to expect out of the Cincinnati Comic Expo. I mentioned that, like, uh, Ron Perlman, the only way you're going to get to his Q&A was in the Sons of Anarchy panel. Right. And I understand why conventions do that sort of stuff, because you can get the most out of the limited time that you have. Right. But there's some actors where you're just feeling like they need to be by themselves. Yeah, Ron Perlman's filmography is enormous, and... And you can't help but want to talk to him about at least a little bit of almost everything. Exactly. John Glover, who was at Expo last year, yeah. was a guest at the uh, at this convention. And Paul Williams, who's going to be a, a guest at this year's yes. uh, Comic Expo, was at this convention. 
Well, they had the two of them together in a Batman the Animated Series panel. Okay. But I'm like, Paul Williams. <laughs> he shouldn't be in a shared... He should be by himself with an extra hour and a piano. And was it just the two of them from Batman the Animated Series? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, That that's kind of a loose thread for those particular two, because John Glover also has an amazing career beyond just... Batman the animated series. Yeah, so I think that's that's unfortunate. I like I said, I understand why you do that, but find a way to squeeze him in, give him his own time. Even if you have can you do both? You know, I <laughs> You have to also wonder how much of this is uh by actor's choice too. Maybe they don't want to they, they they want to have that room to not be the only one talking. Yeah, maybe. That's it, possible, too. It could be, yeah. Besides, we, we were raised on the old uh, Star Trek conventions where you were lucky if you got one, and then when you got one, yep, they were, <laughs> they were a slave to the audience. It was just the audience and them. <laughs> yeah, Indiana Comic Con, is uh, it, it was a good time if you were out there. I would definitely try to go and actually spend all three days. You know, it does the same thing where it starts like Friday afternoon and runs through Sunday. I think you almost have to do that in order to get everything out of it that you that you can. And if you've been, share your comments with us. Please do. If you are if you were there, um, I'd love to hear. If you were able to sit on in some of the other Q and A's and everything, I'd love to hear your stories and how how they all went. Absolutely. Well, let's leave that behind. I do have a little bit of news that I wanted to mention. That This was kind of exciting. A while ago, J. Michael, Michael Straczynski announced on Twitter that there was exciting news coming in the Babylon 5 universe. And he then finally announced about a week later or so that there's going to be an animated movie. And now there's actually been some news about voice casting. Oh, nice. And he's actually also given a basic synopsis. He says, travel across the galaxy with John Sheridan as he unexpectedly fi- unexpectedly finds himself transported through multiple timelines and alternate realities in a quest to find his way back home. Along the way, he reunites with some familiar faces while discovering cosmic new revelations about the history, purpose, and meaning of the universe. Now, as far as voice casting go, uh, many of the original surviving cast members are returning. That's awesome. So Bruce Boxleitner will be back. Claudia Christian will be back. Peter Jurassic will be back. Bill Mummy, Tracy Scoggins, and Patricia Tallman have all signed on and will be doing voices. Apparently, this thing's in the can. Oh, It's really? done. Yeah, this thing's done and ready to go out. Oh, wow. This is an interesting way to get little tips about what's going on. Any chance they have a release date? <laughs> the closest they said was that it will... Straczynski said the new film uh, he suggests it will debut at the San Diego Comic Con in 2023 and that begins July 20th so this summer so close it's around the corner do we know if this is a theater bound or streaming service bound that I do not know I Hmm. do not believe it's going to um, go to any theaters unless it's like a real limited theater engagement sort of thing see i would think that'd be kind of fun to see in a theater oh absolutely i think it would be fun but i i would imagine it would have to it would be something more like an alamo draft house kind of thing if it was going to be any kind of theater yeah see something like this might be i'd actually beg for it to be on a big big screen it's called babylon 5 the road home there's no news that i can find about where it's actually going to find you know, land but no, well, I'm excited for it when it comes. Uh, uh, I've been trying to find ways to get back to watching all of it, but then it's finding all the little bits and pieces as you near the end. You can get maybe through the series, but then then there's the little movies and, mm-hmm. and, and then the spinoff series. <laughs> I know uh, Babylon 5 was on uh, HBO for a while. It was, and I think it got pulled but it got pulled i think it got put somewhere else though i haven't checked Hmm. in a while 
Yeah, I don't know where uh, Warner Brothers... I mean, this is done through Warner Brothers, so I don't know where their stuff is going to end up. Waiting for them to finish sorting out HBO and Discovery and Max and whatever the hell else is going on. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to this article on The Verge, but there is a great uh, image from the anime from the film of Babylon 5. Oh, very cool. Uh, it looks mighty pretty. Yeah, see, it's one of those shows where some more advanced uh, um, CGI would have made it even better than it was. So after I got back from the convention and read the news about the Babylon 5 and everything, I did manage to watch a couple films. That's a shocker to me. So what do you what you got? For well, us? I just a couple films that you know I dug up on uh, on Amazon Prime. I'll go in order of release kind of thing. Uh, one was from 2006 called Bacterium. Okay. It was written and directed by Brett Piper, who has a long list of like cheesy monster movies under his name. And in this one, a group of paintballers stumble onto an abandoned house and end up face-to-face with a biological weapon gone awry. Now, the story is kind of mundane. It's kind of something we've seen a dozen times. And Mm -hmm. some of the acting was not the strongest, but what was kind of a highlight for me for this film was some really impressive practical effects when it came to portraying the mutating and growing bacterial menace. Oh, cool. Yeah, they... Always like a good practical effect. Yeah, they they didn't use any... uh, CGI or anything when it came to the uh, creature, the virus, whatever you want to call it. There was some animated like uh, gunshot muzzle blasts and and stuff like that. But when it came to the actual threat, the monsters, it was all practical and it was done really well for a fairly low budget film. The film itself, (laughs) you know, watchable. Yeah. But it's not great. You know, I mean, it's it's an okay film. That's better than terrible. <laughs> Jumping up then, though, to 2008, I watched a film called Ninja Cheerleaders. I, I saw when you posted this, and I, I just started laughing just from the, the little poster and the name of the thing. <laughs> Without a doubt, the best martial arts-trained college cheerleaders and part-time go-go dancers working hard to realize their Ivy League school dreams while rescuing their sensei from the mob movie that there has ever been. That's saying a lot. There's so many of those. <laughs> I, I think you would probably enjoy this film. It is one of those films, just like when we were talking uh, last week about sewer gators and killer kites. Yeah, It is just kind of nonsense and absurd, but done done really well. I mean, this is actually like legitimately funny at times. There's some, the acting's pretty good. There's some great lines. I really enjoyed this movie. So you're saying, at like, like in the same vein, it knows what it is and just goes for it. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's the key to making that kind of film is don't, don't bury the lead. Just be what you're going to be. Would... Would it surprise you at all if I told you the sensei, it's George Takei? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> now I just want to watch it more. Yep, I do. That would help. Now, I, can, I would definitely recommend this film. It is very silly, but it's done really well. And I, I, I had a ball. And that's part of the point, is you're supposed to have a good time. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've been up to, which is quite a bit, I guess. But uh, And I don't think I understand. You had family obligations, and then you got sick, so I know you haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, it, my life has been consumed with work, that, being sick. Yeah, uh, That means most of anything that I'd watch would just be like, Things that I turn on that I've probably already seen a thousand times, like Top Gear. Right. <laughs> it's comfort food where I can just sit there. I hear it more than I than I'm watching. Right. And if you fall asleep in the middle of it's no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. I've probably already consumed it a half dozen other times. Exactly. So. And when you wake up in the middle of another episode, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No. It's the same. It's almost, the same show. <laughs> 
same show, and I'm like, you could convince me that they were still the same episode. Yep. All right, well, then we'll go ahead and take a break. We'll listen to a promo for another podcast. And then when we get back, we are going to talk about 2007's Transformers. C-3PO, Loki, Mace Windu, Dr. Bruce Banner, Captain Rex, Venom, Princess Leia, Jean Grey, Darth Maul, Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin, Captain America, Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana Podcast on iTunes. Because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. Dr. The Disney Bunsen Indiana Hindu. Podcast. Syndrome. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. Got a little surprise for you, son. No, 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 Dad! Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I am. You're not getting a Porsche. <laughs> Let me tell you something, son. A driver don't pick the cars. Mm-mm. Cars pick the driver. It's a mystical bond between man and machine. technological civilization far superior to our own. Our enemy can take any shape. They could be anywhere. It's a robot. You know, like a super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese. No, 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 no! Transformers is a science fiction action film released in 2007 and was directed by Michael Bay. The film is based on the Transformers franchise, which originated as a line of toys produced by Hasbro in the 1980s. Sam Witwicky, played by Shia LaBeouf, buys what he thinks is an ordinary beat-up used car. 
but discovers it is actually a sentient alien robot from the planet Cybertron. Sam and the girl he has a crush on, Michaela, uh, played by Megan Fox, become involved in a war between two factions of robots, the Autobots, led by Optimus Prime, and the evil Decepticons, led by Megatron, who are after an all-powerful remnant of their homeworld, the Allspark. The Autobots wanted to rebuild Cybertron, which, is, which was devastated by the war. The Decepticons want to use it to dominate the universe. Sam, the Autobots, and a secret government agency called Sector 7 have to unite to save the world and potentially the universe. Uh, the film was a commercial success, grossing over $700 million worldwide. And it was praised for its visual effects and action sequences, but received mixed reviews. The film spawned several sequels, Revenge of the Fallen in 09, Dark of the Moon in 2011, Age of Extinction 2014, The Last Night 2017, Bumblebee, which is a kind of a spin-off in 2018, and a sixth installment, Rise of the Beasts, hitting theaters this June 2023. Now, you, Tom, are the one that put this on the list, even though yeah. I, I, you, you did it. How to put this? This is a painful memory for you. Let, let's start from the beginning. I, I am a huge uh, fan of the Transformers franchise from the perspective of the original stuff. Um, I am fully aware that in 1984, Hasbro launched into um, essentially a series that was a half hour long commercial week after week after week. I know that's what that is. However, aside from the whole, they also took it from Japan <laughs> um, and they made it their own and all that. Um, they latched on to something that was kind of cool for me. That notion that there was an alien race made up not of something biological per se, but mechanical. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. And as they told their story through the cartoon series and then made their own animated movie, they really kind of started to form this whole idea of there was a real story there. There's a history to be had. There, there's ways to flesh this out. And, and I thought they did a really good job. It was a lot of fun to watch it. Um, so I was super excited when this was going to go live action. It would have been the Greatest thing since sliced bread. I watched everything up to this. And then I saw the film. And Michael Bay went his usual over-the-top, outrageous take on it. Um, it's as if he only marginally paid any attention to the source material. Um, there's lots of thoughts around whether or not he his Transformers or any are reasonable for the screen, but it just became kind of offensive to me overall. The first one is not as bad as all the other ones, but the first one still, um, my biggest gripe to this day is it's a Transformers movie with almost no Transformers in it. By the time you get to it, okay, it's mostly about the fight sequences, and if you pay any attention, the Transformers themselves have no dialogue. They're, they're, it's all exposition or catchphrases. That's it. Uh, like, they don't, for something that's supposed to be a sentient race, <laughs> they treat them like they're, they're just, they're just things. And, and it becomes more about the, the military story and the, the teenage angst angle. And honestly, if you took the Transformers out of it and kind of told Shia LaBeouf's teenage angst thing, that'd almost be a better movie. Almost. <laughs> I was actually thinking the 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 absolute opposite. I really? I think I think you could save this film if you removed everything surrounding Shia LaBeouf's character. Really? Drop the wit wikis. Drop Michaela. Remove it all. And pass any like human story elements to uh, Rachel Madsen and Josh Demel. Okay. So the Australian scientist and the army captain are far more interesting characters than the noisy and moronic Sam Witwicky and his family. 
I I I could, I could give give you that, except for even the, that stuff. Um, one, it was about them being pretty more than having substance, um, and from the military perspective, as much as Bay wanted to show off all of his, I, I guess he's got cred with the military anyway, so he gets to show off. He gets to hang out with them, so he gets to actually get footage of actual honest to god military activity which essentially makes this a movie filled with stock footage it's good stock footage but it's stock footage um so he fills it with that he's got all of that but honestly he makes the military not look all that bright in all of this because it it takes the 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 little um hacker girl to figure out what's going on none of them want to listen to her um and they're more about her putting her legs up on the desk than they are about having her actually have an intelligent conversation about what she's doing i really think a lot of that goes to michael bay i think the reason sure i think the reason megan fox is in this film is michael bay saw her somewhere and was totally lusting after her and was determined to have her in the in a film, sure. And to give her anything to do, they had to create LaBeouf's LaBeouf. Blah. They had to create LaBeouf's character, which then also gave Bay an excuse to sexualize her any chance he could. Right, and all you have to do is read any little history about her and Michael Bay to get even more of that. Yeah. that that's entirely how that went. Oh uh, yeah, her early scenes with the uh, the skirt and crop top outfit. And her leaning over the hood far more than any person would ever need to lean over the hood of a car. Mm. I mean, it, it was almost disgusting. I mean, it really was yeah. disgusting. At this time in her career, Megan Fox, you don't need to, like, overly sexualize her. She is gorgeous. Yes. I mean, this is prime Megan Fox. She's beautiful. All you had to do is point the camera at her, and people are going to be mesmerized. You don't need to do this ridiculous, like, weird ass fantasy thing that Bay had going on. Well, and even in the scene that you're talking about, they have Shia LaBeouf panting like a dog. Oh, it was d- during it. It's just it's kind of it's too much. It's over the top and it's not like we in our own minds may not have been there at one point in our lives or another, but I mean it was just it was this is this is a Transformers movie. It's a movie about toys. And we went in that direction. Well, it was a movie about toys with characters that are supposed to be teenagers. And the whole thing was definitely, obviously, written by middle-aged adults. Right. So they have absolutely no true idea of how kids in 2007 acted. They have no idea. The the toys, I, I feel like they were probably too old for the toys. Yeah. Uh, even in the 80s, they were probably just just on the just high a side. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't really mess with them. They knew they existed. Right. And I think that's where it, this movie truly kind of falls flat. They, they they didn't have the right people writing for this movie. No, like, like I said, they're, they're re- I'm not going to over-dramatize uh, Transformers, the cartoon in the movie. They, they were cute they were fun they were not always well written they weren't always well dialogued um but they were fun and but they had developed enough of a story that you had a lot better material and they didn't do anything with it he wanted to make any one of his other movies that he's ever made and he put transforming robots in it i mean you could have put transforming robots in the middle of his version of Pearl Harbor and it had made about as much sense. Yeah. On the robots and the transforming robots and everything, one of the kind of neat things about the cartoon being that there was based on the toy line mm-hmm. is you can kind of see how one would become the other when it comes from right. the vehicle to the robot. Mm-hmm. It it made sense because you could do it. You could actually, you know, you could pull, oh, those were his arms. He tucks it in, you know, that sort of stuff. That's really cool. This is like a true, they might as well just melt and turn yeah. from one to the other. 
Well, and when you get to one of the later movies, that's exactly what they do. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I have I have seen the first three, and the third one I only just watched, what, like four weeks ago? Yeah. Just because I was bored and decided, well, maybe I'll go ahead and watch the rest of these Transformer films. I'm not going to watch the others. <laughs> no, because when you get into four, <laughs> five, yeah, no, I get... It just gets progressively worse. But I hear what you're saying, because actually I have friends that, granted, by the time they were old enough to do this kind of work, uh, we were up to the Beast Wars version of Transformers. And what I had learned from them is, and this was back when Transformers were also made by Kenner. Um, So when they were working at Kenner and developing um, Beast Wars figures, they would develop the toy first and how it would transform, and then they would translate that into the animation so that literally what you watched them do on screen was more or less how they did it when you played with the toy, which goes to your idea that you could kind of see how it became what it was. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I, I can get on board with what he was trying because, again, if these are ultra-complex sentient things that can do the, these kind of things, it might be more complicated than just the simple toy where you make a couple of turns and twists and you're done. Um, I get all that, but then it becomes kind of over the top. And then the one thing, because I'm me and because I like these things, if you watch the movie and actually watch the transformation sequences... It never happens the same way twice. Yeah, I thought I caught that because they. I definitely focused on uh, Optimus Prime transforming a couple times, and I, I, I was thinking the same thing. Is like I don't know if that's the same way that happened the last time. The the one that's really rough is Bumblebee himself because a lot of times Bumblebee's on camera the same time people are, um, and there's one point where literally. Uh, the roof of the car flips over from the back of the the back window, and you're like, "Huh?" Because it's not how you did it the last three times. <laughs> like, it just uh, well, maybe that was it, when he was the old Camaro, and now he's the new Camaro. And no, 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 no. But since you brought that up. There's a few things in here uh, I'll concede. It was, um, while I was not a huge fan of how they handled Bumblebee and his voice, it was at least kind of a cute concept, and it did make for some interesting things, um, like the fact that he would communicate by radio, but not only that he communicated that way, but before he even revealed himself, the fact that he would play specific music related to what was going on at the time. Kudos to them for that. I will grant that was that was cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I will grant goodness where there is goodness. That that was fun. That was satisfying. It felt good. And even when they con- decided to continue, oh, there's a reason he can't speak. And his choice of just picking pieces of media to, to speak with was entertaining, too. Of course... If he had access to the sum of all human media, couldn't he essentially build a voice out of all of that? (laughs) Every word that has ever been able to be spoken has been spoken at some point, at some place, and therefore he should have been able to actually just say things. (laughs) So, kind of breaks the rhythm from there, but... um, but yeah, the whole notion that he was something that you could you could hurt his feelings. So that moment when yeah he's the the shitty old Camaro and Michaela chooses to pick on him <laughs> at that moment and he dumps them out and then goes and finds something else to scan and then comes back the brand new super cool Camaro. That was cute too. I, I like that. But then again. It, that started the stream of GM is a full sponsor of this thing and everything is GM all the time if it's a good guy. Yeah. (laughs) With the exception of Optimus. Right, right, right. So we don't even get to pick up, like, 
even forgiving the transformation of the characters into the funky way that they do it and, and the different look overall that they had, um, when you introduced the other classic characters, it was bad enough that Bumblebee was not a VW bug, um, which happily the Bumblebee movie rectified. Um, but it, the fact that none of the other cars ever became any of the things that they were before was also terrible. And like, like you didn't have um, Jazz be, be a Porsche. You didn't have Ratchet be a real honest to God ambulance. You didn't have Rat, Ratchet be the uh, um, or uh, Ironhide be that red van that he was. I'm like, he could have still stuck with it, but. GM had to play too big a part. Yeah, well, they, I'm sure they dropped a, a quite a large wad of cash in uh, Bay's pocket. Well, yeah, and they built it into their entire sales profile for that year, too. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a reason you can go, at least in 2007, you could go out and buy the Bumblebee Series Camaro. Right. Came complete with badging and all. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm In the cartoon and in, in the movie... It was never really explored or anything about how the Transformers came to be, how they, you correct me if I'm wrong, you know, how they, for lack of a better term, procreate and all that sort of stuff. Right. How they were created. And I don't actually even need that sort of stuff. I don't like the fact that in this film, it's effectively magic. Kind of, yeah. It's a really big cube. It has energy, and any electronic or mechanical device that you that gets hit with this energy can suddenly transform and be a sentient robot. Right. What the hell? Well, it's not even just what the hell. By the time they explain that that's a thing, why is it that all of them are bad Yeah, that, Yeah, that's another good point. I noticed right. that, too. Uh, yeah, like... Even when Sam's got the cube and running away and he drops it and and it creates a couple more things and they're all immediately killing machines. I'm like, what? Why? Um, but no, that uh, actually, if you watch enough of it and the extended universe, they do get into some of the source of uh, where they all came from. And um, yeah, it wasn't a magic cube. Right. No, that I, I that that annoyed me. I, I never I didn't like it. I didn't like it the very first time I saw this film and I I think I liked it even less watching it this time. Well, what's funny is they mixed the two too, uh to completely nerd out because at one point um Optimus tells um Sam that if all else fails, push the cube into my chest, it will join in my spark and destroy it. Um, his spark is in the Transformer universe the spark is your soul it's the thing that makes you you um, it's the source of all of your intelligence and your existence and your sentience so they mention it but then they say the magic cube's the thing that makes it in the first place I guess yeah it, it makes no sense as to why one touching another would destroy it Nope, no. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no explanation to any of that. So despite the fact that we got at least a little backstory about the war, um, he got no backstory about this thing that's all important to all of them. Right. The funny thing is they had a, um, and because I was very much into this at the time, there was a prequel comic book series that they had launched before the... uh, the movie and it doesn't exactly explain what the hell the all spark is either <laughs> i was really annoyed about and so many movies do this especially this type of movie is the sort of forced emotion the film tries to evoke in regards to some of the characters particularly with sam and michaela and bumblebee yeah. uh, oh hi robot car nice to meet you i will die for you and it's about right. that quick. And it's I it's it's just it doesn't ring true. It doesn't work. And the film forces it on you. And so 
uh, we don't think the people will really think it's uh, happening. So let's do it in slow motion and put some really, you know, dramatic music on top and pull at your heartstrings. I'm like, no, <laughs> maybe this will work on like a 10 year old, but this isn't working on anyone else watching this film. Well, I guess ultimately that's one of my biggest problems with this is I, I don't know who's who was the intended audience for this. Like, if you're a fan of Transformers, you probably didn't like this as much as you should have. Um, some are more forgiving than others, but it wasn't what you went in uh, hoping for. Um, if it was for children... Um, it had way too adult content in it to to be for children. Um, if it was for a serious action audience, it had too much stuff that was just bullshit goofy. Uh, like it, it, I think it just failed to be anything that it might have intended to be. I mean, even um, and it was inconsistent because you had this you know this heart wrenching moment when they're capturing Bumblebee and Sam's trying to save him and it's like I said it's in slow motion and there's dramatic music and and then later on in the in the film uh, I think it's Jazz is killed and literally ripped apart by Megatron, right? And later on you see one of the other uh, Autobots maybe it's Ratchet and he's carrying him both halves in either hand like it's a bag of garbage. It's Optimus, and, and yes, no, I'm truly offended. No, no, by Optimus this. is standing there, and another the Autobots come up and they're carrying both halves, like they're like I said, in like their bags of garbage, and they're like, oh, we couldn't save them. Oh well, we lost a great warrior today. Like, why are you carrying them around like spare parts? <laughs> well, and not and no, I am going to correct you. It's Optimus has got them in both hands because he's speaking. He's like. Oh, oh, we we've lost jazz, but we gained new friends. Yeah, I think. And like, I still think. What the hell was that? I still think one of the other Autobots maybe handed them to him, and it. But it's still just like maybe. If you you know if your friend was just run over and split in half by a car or something, you're not going to pick up both halves and carry them to somebody else. And yeah, we lost Jim today. <laughs> yeah. No. No, you're not going to do that. But again, uh, it's that whole, they never, they had good characters that they didn't bother to develop any character for. So, and to say something like that was just so wrong. Uh, Like, you kind of miss the point of uh, having one of your closest allies and friends brutally murdered by your hated enemy. You're waiting for, oh, we've lost a great warrior. Oh, well, and just tossed to the side. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know what? Even the death of Jazz in that, um, first off, I'm just going to go with the word inappropriate for how they introduce Jazz and how he's speaking and all of that. Um, and, and I know Jazz had a stylized voice in in the original cartoon, but it didn't come off near as offensive as this did. And then he said those lines, and that's the last you ever heard said out of jazz was when he was first introduced. I think he might have made some little quip uh, just as just before he was torn in half. And again, you're supposed to care. And I'm like, I got like two seconds of screen time with this character. Uh, like... And I'm going to jump back one moment because it's really bugged me from the get-go. Is, okay, they, they they took out Bumblebee with fire extinguishers, basically. Um, a- able to immobilize him, right? And Megatron's been on Earth for thousands of years frozen in ice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He flew through space. But ice immobilized him? Or how about the fact that we learned from Optimus that they learned the English language through the World Wide Web and uh, Megatron's been frozen for several hundred years, breaks out of his ice, and immediately knows everything about the planet, including how to speak English. Yeah, and where to 
this will get into the other one. Um, th- this is a favorite of mine from even superhero movies because uh, they did this in uh, um, in Man of Steel. Um, the military guys, of course, they've entrusted this this artifact to a teenager and, and this car. Um, I I might understand trusting the car more than the teenager, um, but in this case, they, they they send them off. They send them to a middle of a populated city to be taken to safety. I'm like, what was the thought process there? You know, literally the enemy is bearing down on you. Let's go somewhere where we can get the most people killed. I I get that you want the interaction of a city. You want these screaming people and all that. But I mean, this is a matter of, we did it because the script said so again. Mm -hmm. Not because it made sense, not because there was any reason this city needed to be the spot to have that happen. Um, that, uh, cause that was the weirdest part of it all. They were to go there just so that they could get picked up to go somewhere else. So why not go somewhere else to begin with? Right. <laughs> yeah, there is it's just so it's many plot holes it's in a, this film. It's hard to say there's a plot. <laughs> it, I, it's just, it, I wanted so much more of this. And then, like I said, this just, that was the good one. Well, you put it on the list during our series of, well, it looked pretty. Do you think that at times this film looked pretty? Um, I will actually uh, say that I do think at times it did look pretty. Uh, I will give thorough kudos to, uh, to the teams that put together the transformation sequences of the, the Autobots. The Autobots in particular, they kind of gloss over Decepticons for the most part. You do get uh, Blackout's transformation at the beginning, which is a little little odd when it starts to happen because it's so slow. Like, his initial transformation, I know they wanted it to make it look like it take. They wanted to kind of milk it. But, like, when we get into the whole um, Optimus is driving along, slams on the brakes, sl- turns around... And then at speed starts his transformation into his into his battle stance. That did look pretty damn good. It's hard not to go. Okay, I want all of that and none of the rest of it. Just <laughs> do that for about an hour and I'll go home happy. <laughs> you know. And then you throw Peter Cullen's voice on top of it all, and you're like, okay, you've gotten in touch with my inner child, but then you added all the other parts <laughs> i think that first early transformation was also the only time we hear the sound that we're familiar yeah, yeah. with yeah the transformers yeah. they don't do it for the rest of the film that is no. i i'm not sure why they did it as like an easter egg or something at the at the front of the film and then just let it drop that is what i mean you're talking about are people who like Transformers going to this movie, they want to hear that sound. They right. want to hear that sound every time the Transformers transform. Oh, and I think, uh, if I remember correctly, it's been a little while since I've seen Bumblebee. They corrected that a bit in Bumblebee. We got more of that. I completely agree. You, you had elements that you absolutely should have brought forward, and you only paid lip service to them. Well, I posted to social media that we'll be watch or discussing this thing. I didn't get much in the way of comments on this one. No? No, I'm afraid not. Over on um, Dave over on Facebook says that Bumblebee is what Transformers should have been from the beginning. Correct. And Robin over on Spoutable, she said, I had high hopes, especially with Peter Cullen voicing Optimus, but the fight scenes were too dark and hard to follow. Since it was first, I hope things would get better. And it's my fear about the new one coming up. I think they're going backward, not forward. <sighs> Having watched the next two films in the series, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't good. Oh, and, and when they start to slip, when, when when these slip, they slip hard. Yeah, very much. No, I remember. It's been a while since I've watched Bumblebee, but I remember being really impressed with Bumblebee. 
Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a good way to do it because it was just kind of a, let's focus on a single character um, and let's take him through a story arc and, and find a way to really introduce Transformers to Earth. Right. So, and then the you know, opening sequence alone of just uh, uh, war happening on Cybertron is worth it just for that. Oh, yeah, it's been so long since I've watched it, I don't even recall. I'll have to revisit that one. Yeah, because uh, that's when all of them also, they're far closer to their G Generation 1, for those that are novices, G1 uh, Transformers. They all look a lot more like uh, they did in the cartoon. Nice, nice. Well, what, and I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost scared to ask, what did the critics think of this film? Honestly, I was scared to read because it got more higher praise than I was expecting it to. Really? Interesting. Yeah, like starting off with just a blurb from Variety, Jay Weisberg, big, loud, and full of testosterone-fueled car fantasies, Michael Bay's actioner hits a new peak for CGI work, showcasing spectacular chases and animated transformation sequences seamlessly blended into live action surroundings so very much driven by the cgi and the action um not a whole lot on the whole story front and all of them across the board don't really have much to say on the story front which as critics that's usually isn't that your business isn't it the story but anyway um, then we get one from empire uh ian nathan the script may have rubbery legs but the action is rock hard. The surprise is the lightness of touch. Treat as a comedy for best results. <laughs> mm. I, I get what you're saying, but I don't. I can't follow the thread because it wasn't funny either. Well, I think it tried to be with some of the wit. I think it tried stuff. to be too, but like the stuff with John Turturro. I love John Turturro, but it just seems so forced and ill placed. The only like honest moment with, with with any human characters in this film was when uh, Sam and his dad are driving. Sam's dad is going to take him to buy Sam's first car. Yeah, and Dad pulls into the the, the Porsche lot. Right. And Sam's like, "Whoa, you're buying me a Porsche? <laughs> no." <laughs> <laughs> It was just like you're you're kidding. Of course I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not yeah, buying no, you a that, Porsche. <laughs> that was the most human moment in the entire film in regards to the human characters. Yeah, no, that that part was amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, if we dip back into some of the reviews, mm -hmm. uh, you get something from the Globe and Mail. Uh, not particularly, but I love the the quote in here from Liam Lacey. And you almost have to see it to, to appreciate the line. It says, some kind of masterpiece. <laughs> masterpiece. I like it. I, I, I did I did rather enjoy that. And, but who I'm really disappointed by? My, my personal uh, hero. Oh, Mr. Ebert? Mr. Ebert. He gave it three stars. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was expecting him to trash this thing, and no. Well, he is known to enjoy a film that you can just shut your brain off. And, and I'm going to go with that must have been the category. I also have to figure, especially given his age at the time and the age he would have been in in the mid to late 80s, probably not <laughs> not a, a Transformer friend from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So, um, But... His, uh, his quote that I'll read from, it says, Now I have fans who say, We are so sorry, Michael Bay. You still suck, but we love you. That's what the director of Transformers told Simon Ang during an interview in Seoul. He could have been speaking for me. I think Michael Bay sometimes sucks. Pearl Harbor, Armageddon, Bad Boys 2... But I find it possible to love him for movie for a movie like Transformers. It's goofy fun with a lot of stuff that blows up real good. And it has the grace not only to realize how preposterous it is, 
but to make it make that into an asset. Huh. So he's giving it more credit for its goofiness than I than I would ever give it. Oh, that falls a little bit more into the other commenter about it being almost a comedy. Right. It's, yeah, people are trying... That's what was be- bewildering as I was reading through all of these various uh, threads is like the critics at the time saw it as a big action experience that was also mostly comedy and I don't think that was the point. I think they tried to get some comedy elements in there like any good movie does. Even your most heartfelt drama should have a little comic relief in there to lighten the mood once in a while. But this was just awful. You get you get the occasional little nugget and the rest of it is garbage yep no i agree and like i said and 99 percent of everything that went on with the witwicky family was someone trying to be or thinking that they were hilarious and it wasn't well, funny it, it, it was well, funny for a 10 year old i i'm gonna really throw you uh because you obviously didn't follow it like i did um sam is supposed to be spike's replacement Right from the, I remember Spike from the cartoon. Right, because Spike's last name was Witwicky. Was it? Yes. So Spike and his dad from from the original series. This was supposed to be kind of them, except not at all. Exactly. <laughs> and, and granted, even in the cartoon, Spike and his dad was kind of a preposterous notion to begin with. And they didn't uh, do much other than just hang out at the Transformers base, did they? No, they they didn't. Occasionally, because they were uh, mechanics and construction workers, they would help. Uh, but, I mean, what prayer did they have for on? But occasionally you would catch the Spike's dad turning a wrench on a Transformer, and you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Those, those things come with hex bolts, do they? Right, yeah. <laughs> Good thing those are just a standard <laughs> gauge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, 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 your regular wrench in your back pocket, that fits them? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't ma- matter that they're uh, easily 20 feet, feet tall or more. Right. <laughs> but sure, your, your wrench works. I got it. <laughs> but again, it's a cartoon. I, I can forgive all of that. This is supposed to be elevated, and it's just ridiculous. Right. Well, I think that will do it for Transformers. I don't have anything else to say that I haven't already said. I <laughs> I don't care for this film series. No, and, and I, 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 not that I'll ever say 100% no to anything, but if we never visit any of the others ever... <laughs> And maybe Bumblebee, maybe <laughs> something else. But any of the others, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, well, I think this one definitely fits into the well. It looked pretty category, probably better than many of the other films we've watched. Yeah. Well, next time when you uh, hear a full episode, we're actually going to jump back a little bit. We've been going forward through time, but we're going to jump back to 1988. We've had a special request to talk about Willow. Former co-host of the show, Matt, has asked to come on and discuss this film with us. Kind of looking forward to it. I am not 100% sure I've watched this film. I know that I have, but it probably been would have been a lot closer to when it came out, or at least like a, a VHS release or something. And I do mean VHS. Yeah. So. Well, it'll be really interesting to see what Matt thinks of this film. Uh, again, I think when he first uh, suggested it, I thought this was kind of one of these like much beloved films that I just mm-hmm. hadn't gotten around to watching for some reason. So I'm a little surprised that he thought it fits so well into this into our category. No, I welcome his input, and we will will definitely have to pull that out of him. And give us your explanation of well, it looked pretty, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that'll, that'll be fun. Well, maybe we'll understand once we watch it and or rewatch it, if as the case may be. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't even touched on the Disney Plus series, so and that didn't make it out of its first season, right? 
All right. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you soon. Please follow the sh- uh, link in the show notes to all our social media and our contact information. And if you have any thoughts on Transformers, any of the films, let us know what you think about it. And Willow, absolutely. Tell us what you mm-hmm. uh, what you know about that one. If, if I post this one on social media and don't get any comments on it, I'm going to be really surprised. <laughs> yeah, I would be too. And disappointed. <laughs> but I'm always disappointed when I don't get any responses. Pay attention, class. We'll talk to you next time, everyone. Bye. See ya. Transformers! Transformers! Transformers!